Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. And as everybody knows, this summer, we are doing Pop Culture Summer. We are not talking about any of the important things in life, or depending on your viewpoint, we are talking about the only important things in life, and that is things that is related to pop culture. And as is the thing that I always do, I have a guest on. And this guest, though, is in this case... Although we are friends, but someone that is not necessarily someone that is my friend to begin with. It is my eldest daughter, Misty's friend, Shyla, who we have known for since they were, I don't know, what, middle school, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. Yeah, they've been (laughs) pretty close to lifelong friends. And Shyla spent many, many, many a weekend at my house. Sorry about that. That's all right. You weren't that bad. You were far easier to get along with than Misty was at that point in her life. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, you know, Shyla's like, you know, family, I guess, in a way, even though we didn't see each other for quite a while. But she was busy doing her thing and I was doing my thing and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, my family loves Shyla and she's going to talk about one of her favorite pop culture things. So, Shyla, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty fantastic. I got some really great news yesterday. Well, anyway, I got news yesterday that I was waiting on, and so things are good. I'm living my best life. That's all we can hope for. Living <laughs> living your worst life is not good for you or your loved ones. So, <laughs> Yes, um, and I'm going to force you to talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, hey, cool. That, I'm fine with that. That is something that has not come up on my show yet. So yes. I am actually quite excited about that. Um, we yeah. do have a couple of things that have been talked about more than once, and Rocky Horror Picture Show is not one of them. So I, go I, ahead. Am, I am an avid uh, Tim Curry fan. Um, he was like my, well, he second to David Bowie. He was my my first like really big childhood crush and everything that he was in it started with clue right and, great movie uh, by the way yeah yes amazing i clue is is my next step down um and then blazing saddles um and uh musicals also uh who would have guessed out of me um musicals are, are up there with my favorite thing on the entire planet so um rocky horror picture show fit all of the niches that i needed to make it my favorite cool cool and you know you're also, your love of men in drag. <laughs> yes. It also. <laughs> um, yeah, I I first watched it. Uh, I was, I think, 10. Um, and I became instantly obsessed with it. The second that I could sequester Misty away to my granddad's house, I made her watch it. Right. <laughs> uh, I've watched it like more times than I can count. I would say in the in the 300s. Like I would watch it every day when I would get home from school in junior high, I would just have it on. Right. Right. I have a funny Rocky Horror. Well, maybe not funny. Depends on your viewpoint story of Rocky Horror picture show. So when I was in high school, there was some little small theater here in Oklahoma city that played it like every, I don't know, Friday or Saturday night. I don't remember which night it was. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I would ask my mom if I could do something forgetting that for some dumbass reason that my mom was, ultra evangelical (laughs) and there were just certain things that she wasn't going to let me do and this was one of those times that i forgot because a friend of mine was like hey this friday saturday whatever the night was we're gonna go see rocky or picture you want to go yeah that sounds cool because apparently you know the theaters when they show them it's just like raucous and audience participation and everybody's crazy right so i went i was like mom this was like wednesday or something mom can I have a few bucks? Some friends and I are going to go watch this movie Friday night. We're going to hang out and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, well, what are you going to go watch? And here's where I wasn't thinking. I said, oh, we're going to go 
see Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's supposed to be cool. And my mom's like, you're not going. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. What? She's like, you're not going to see that. And I'm like, what? And then I was like, okay. So then, okay, fine. So then a couple hours later, I was like, can I go stay over at so-and-so's house this weekend? She's like, no, because you're, you're just lying. So you can go see Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so she ended up for no reason at all, other than I was asking. She ended up grounding me. <laughs> so I couldn't go, sneak out and go because she knew that I would like, oh, I'm going over to so-and-so's house. And I'm like, oh, God. Because I just forgot that sometimes there were just certain things that my mom was insane about. And for whatever reason, I forgot that that automatically would be one of them, right? Why would my mom be cool with me going to see a movie with people in drag, right? You know my mom. Well, you knew my mom. Yes. (laughs) So you can see why I was dumb to ask, right? (laughs) Yeah. uh, We're going to we're going to see a movie about the Bible. It's it's a new movie coming out, and it's all about Yesu. So yeah, we're it's called Jesus and the Never Ending Fish Fry. (laughs) Sorry, that one really wrecked me. (laughs) <laughs> and he is in fishnets the entire time i mean he's he's using fishnets the entire time that's what i meant to say well yeah because he you know teach a give a man a fish and he eats goes and drag once give a man fishnet stockings and he can <laughs> go and drag for the rest of his life <laughs> there is a lot hmm. of um there's a lot of talk um which i i've never d- dove into the like fan theories a- about uh some of the stuff but a lot of people um actually have theories that like some of the some of it is based off of like christianity and like and making sort of like a, a mockery essentially because he creates rocky and his what he right. decides is like a perfect image and things like that but beyond that i cannot find a connection I don't have a one. Right, right. <laughs> other than the God character in this uh, meddling in everyone's lives with his dirty fingies. Right, right. So let's move on from me complaining about my mom. Rest in peace. So let's just start start in. What is it you like about it? What, you know, what you kind of touched on it briefly. Let's go into a little more detail. So... For starters, Richard o- Richard O'Brien um, is uh, the the main writer, as well as uh, Jim Sharman, um, and Jim Sharman was one of the producers as well. And they started it out as a stage play, and um, then whenever they were actually able to take it to sc- the screen. They used the same cast, which I always think that's amazing. Whenever a stage production is adapted into a film and they use the same cast yes. because that's the cast that is going to know it inside and out and know exactly how to deliver it. And they did, they absolutely did. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, obviously you knew me. Um, I was the little alternative kid. And so this, this hit on the marks of things that were weird. And um, I was always drawn to that and everything was kind of spooky and, like when you when you see, I know a lot of behind the scenes factoids. Right. Um, when you are watching the time warp scene, um, and Riff Raff lets Brad and Janet inside, and there's a grandfather clock, I believe, that has a skeleton in it, and it is the actual skeleton of the former owner of the home. Uh, his wife still owned the mansion, and he wanted to be displayed in his mansion. So that's his actual skeleton, and I thought that was awesome. And there's all sorts yeah. of little things like that, like um, the budget that they were able to work on the the great hall and the lab um, are the same set that they just hurriedly would change into, you know, another area. But they they worked mostly in two rooms in the entire mansion because it was really dilapidated and uh there's a scene when you the first scene where you see uh the mansion itself as they're they're walking up in the rain and riffraff is standing in the window singing um 
And he had to, Richard O'Brien plays Riff Raff in the movie, and he had to walk along the edge boards of the room because there was a giant gaping hole in the middle of the room. But he was like, no, I need this shot. Oh, wow. I have to get this shot. Um, and so it was all just so fascinating to me. And the music is really catchy. And Meatloaf is in it. And Meatloaf right. was one of my first favorites as well. Um, I don't, there's not much about it that I don't like. Um, the, it's from, aside from the Touch Me song that uh, um, Susan Sarandon does, because it's the single most annoying song that anyone's ever created. And I've listened to Friday by whatever her name is that came out in like 2014. <laughs> it's the worst song on the planet. So I skipped that one. Uh, but there, there's really not anything about it I don't like. I was obsessed with Little Nell, the one that tap dances. I thought she was the coolest. Um, but yeah, the, the, everything about it drew me to it. I think it really, it, it, it scratches all the good parts of my brain. That's cool. That is cool. That was Rebecca Black, by the way. And I'm surprised oh. <laughs> that because I needed to recall that, I was able to find it. But yeah. And once you said it, I went, oh, yes. I tried to say Carly Rae Jepsen, but that's not it. That's a different annoying singer. Yes. You are not wrong about that either. Um, but I don't think I was ever their target audience. You're not going to call her, maybe? No. <laughs> um, no. No. <laughs> you know no uh when did you when did you first actually get to watch it after the not being allowed to this is gonna sound weird but i watched it in kuwait really yeah when we got i was in the rear and of course now saying that talking about that movie sounds kind of funny saying that but so we were staying in this area and so they had um you know, they had a TV and a VCR and people could go and tell you how long ago I went to Kuwait, right? <laughs> and so they had like a little library thing and you could go and check out movies. And um, generally what we watched was Friday. Friday was on permanent rotation. The really? Ice, yeah, the Ice Cube <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, so I've seen Friday dozens and dozens of times because of that. And every time it still cracks me up, by the way. Same, 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 same. And then, ironically enough, with what I'm going to talk about later, Pink Floyd's Pulse had just come out a couple years beforehand, uh, which was a live concert of them. And that was also on daily rotation. So somebody went and brought in uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And how do, you, that how was, do you acquire that there? I don't know how they got the movies that they got. I don't, you'd think that it wouldn't even be allowed in a Muslim country, but <laughs> but there it was. Yeah. And then I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've watched it since. Oh, I was going to ask you what you thought of it, but is it on a streaming service do you, that you know of? Um, It's, I believe you, it's on Amazon Prime, but you have to buy it, but it's only like $3. So I have it on there. Okay. I mean, I have a physical copy too, but. All right. Yeah. No. So I'm sorry that I didn't, haven't seen it. And I might have prepped had I known this is what you're going to talk about. And in a way, that's better because. You can fill me in on all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, the there are like little subtleties and things like that are like goof em ups, like where they they there's a scene where they draw a heart on a church door and mm. in the next, next scene it's been redrawn, so it's a different shape and a different size. And um I'm the only person that you'll ever talk to that knows that because i've watched it five trillion times (laughs) right yeah yeah i could i could see that but that's kind of the weird thing that when someone with like adhd like hyper focuses on something and you know everything about it and you've watched it 40 gazillion times we notice right because it's part of our fixation yeah other people don't so that actually doesn't surprise me that that's something you notice and not knowing what the actual budget on that film was, I can't imagine that it was large. No, it was not. Uh, it was, well, I don't know what the equivalent um, would have been in 75, but it was 1.4 million. But they raked in, I think it was like 225 million. Right. So, you know, that's good. But yeah, it was it was either 1.4 or 1.5. 
five million. That's actually not bad for the time, um, all things considered. But still, when you're when you're making a movie that even then that would get shot through uh, just so fast, just so fast. They, uh, you can tell where they where they spent money and where they DIY'd for sure. Um, like mm-hmm. so, um, there's you know Meatloaf's character gets killed. Spoilers, sorry guys, you've had since seventy five. Um, right. And uh, they are eating dinner for Rocky's birthday celebration that evening after Janet and Rocky have been caught hooking up and uh, Frankenfurter, Dr. Frankenfurter rips off the tablecloth and it is a glass coffin shaped table um, with meatloaf inside. Uh, And it's just really bad clay. It's just such bad clay. It's terrible. Yeah. They're like, someone go to the hobby store and get some skin colored clay no yeah and with like a, a bad wig on it which was his wig that he was wearing another right. thing is like when he, when meatloaf is doing his song he's got this like elvis wig on and when he turns he had crazy long hair so there's just this gap that stick it sticks off of the back of his neck about that far about like an inch and a half yeah that's um, funny i i don't know why instead of talking about how great it is i'm telling you all the bad stuff but that's sometimes what makes a movie great right yeah yeah so on my on my other podcast Kinetta and jack save the world last summer we did a special on black exploitation films um mm-hmm. from the 70s which actually ended up going through the 80s most people don't realize that um but one of the things we talked about on there is due to a lack of budgets you see a lot of mistakes or something kind of take place because Film is expensive. That's one of people don't realize how expensive film is. If you have a, you know, if you're filming, well, not now it's all digital, but 30 years ago, if you were filming a $50 million movie, you could do 10, 20, 30 takes, right? Yeah. If you had a budget of a million dollars, you couldn't afford to do 30 takes. You might get two or three tops. Right. If you could do that, because something might happen and you might not have even noticed. So a lot of times they didn't have a choice but to leave it in. And Rocky Horror Picture Show is probably somewhat in that same uh, that same boat. Yeah. Uh, Little Nell, the uh, the the redhead with a top hat that does the tap dancing. Um, her character's name is Columbia. And Little Nell is an avid. What word should I use? Basically nudist. Uh <laughs> Any movie that she can show her boobs, she will. Sounds like a cool person. (laughs) And so she, excuse me, several times in the movie, three times, I believe, to be precise, uh, she made sure because they had limited takes that she was slipping a nip in there so there's this one scene where um she has on pjs and uh frankenfurter has killed eddie and she's wearing pjs and she grabs the hem of her top and like yanks down on it because she's like throwing a fit and she's telling him how awful he is and as she pulls down she has cut a slit like you can't see it before she pulls down on her top but when she pulls down it's perfectly over her nipple so that it pokes right out and like if you're listening to the commentary uh one of the actresses that plays the actress that plays uh, magenta her name is patricia quinn is talking to richard o'brien and she's like oh we had a little wardrobe malfunction there and or he says that and she said oh no 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 that was on purpose she that did that planned. on purpose yeah <laughs> and then at the end the rose tense my world uh scene where they're all singing together and there's the pool and all that uh she specifically chose a corset um that was cut in a certain way that they have to like shimmy in this one part and her boobs just fly out Flop and it's out. just in there it's just in the scene that's that's what it that's what they had and because they could not the pool scene they had the one time to, they didn't shoot it consecutively through but that was it they could not reset the the set the stage they didn't they couldn't afford the fog 
again. Right. Like all of these little things that they couldn't do. So she knew that it was going to happen and she was fine with that and they could not do anything to fix it. Yeah, because that was all pre-CGI. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> although now they actually in films have done the opposite where they CGI in the boob. But... Right. <laughs> CGI in a butt. Yeah. Nice butt for you. Um, yeah. So tell me, what is your favorite song? And then related, what what is your favorite dance number? Because you could appreciate like one of the sort of like dances that go to the song, but not the song as much as a different song, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would have had an answer to this, like when you didn't need it. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite, my favorite dance number is the time warp. That's irrefutable. Like it's, it's just so good. Um, and it's, I, I heard that song before I ever watched it because I had a Halloween uh, CD that I got from oh my gosh Jack what was that music store FYE right yes I got a a Halloween soundtrack from FYE and it had like werewolves of London and had time warp and some other songs on it and uh that one was so I I knew how to do it well I had a rough idea because they explain it <laughs> of how to do it before I ever actually watched it um so my favorite song, it's a tie between Sweet Transvestite because that song is just like a hype song for me. Like I can work out at the gym to that song. <laughs> um, but the there's a, rep, a reprise, reprise. I never say that word right. Is it reprise or reprise? I have no idea. I'm in the same boat. Okay. Well, it, there's a song at the end um and it's i believe that it's only in the extended director's cut and it's called superheroes right and it's it's just brad and janet it's after the house that has now turned into a spaceship the mansion has flown off into space and everybody else is dead other than brad janet and uh dr scott um and it's just sort of haunting sounding like it's the most ridiculous scene to watch but if right. you're just listening to it, it's actually quite pretty. Um, and then the um, the narrator, Charles Gray, he plays the like detective that's narrating everything. Um, he says, and crawling on the planet's face, some face, some insects called the human race, lost in time, lost in space and meaning. And at 12 it was the deepest thing i had ever heard, heard so, right so that one is is probably my my tide right there with sweet transvestite for me but sweet transvestite is just a banger right right it's sort of funny because that shows um the difference in language on what's acceptable from 50 years ago to now because you know you just don't use transvestite anymore yes absolutely um and and i i didn't I, and I'd heard I'd heard Sweet Transvestite actually as well. I don't I think I heard it at the library because I was I was swooning over Tim Curry, but I didn't know what a transvestite was at the age right. when I was like you know right. looking at that. Um, but yeah. uh, yes, it definitely. And so when they did the remake, which I didn't care for the remake, um, it just wasn't it didn't have the same like vibe to it. Um, but I was I was really supportive that they used Laverne Cox for Dr. Frankenfurter as a as a trans woman. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the but, remake either, so don't feel. But if you say it, it's not it, as good, I'm going to take your your expert opinion on that. I got 20 minutes in and had to dip. I was I just it was not good. It was really not good. Yeah. In my opinion. I know right. some people that love it, but it just was not for me. That's how I feel about Willy Wonka. Yeah. Oh, Willy Wonka is, is also in my, is some of my top favorite films, but anything with Gene Wilder is, is up there for me. Well, As I, I mean, said, yeah. Avid Blazing Saddles fan. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, him and Richard Pryor made some classics. Yes. What is, uh, the one where he, they're de one's deaf and one's blind. Hear no evil, see no. Is evil. that it? Okay, I was going to say that. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan of stir crazy. 
I know that I've seen it, but I can't tell you which one it is because I kind of went on a binge when I was prison. in my early 20s. It's the one where they're in prison and okay. Gene Wilder does rodeo and like absolutely no horse can buck him. And he's like, oh, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's another one of those long list of movies that I saw probably before I should have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was quoting Blazing Saddles when I was like six, seven, eight years old. And yeah. I don't know if you're very familiar with that movie. Yes. Okay. You know, Lily von Stupp's song. Mm -hmm. Carly, my sister Carly and I would stand with our arms around each other, singing this song in front of our grandparents. And my grandmother was just Catholic and mortified uh, <laughs> at the same time. And um, there's a, a, a part in the song where she says, that men are always going and coming and coming and going and always right. too soon. And we're singing this and we're in <laughs> elementary. And my grandma's like, what is wrong with you to my mom? And she's like, they like it. I don't know. It was my brand of humor that I didn't understand for 10 more years. Right. And you've been warped. And you wonder why you're warped, Shyla. <laughs> Mel Brooks, all the Mel Brooks movies that I've taken in. Yeah, yeah. Mel, well, Mel Brooks is good at that kind of stuff, you know? Yes. Gotta love you some Mel Brooks. So, we're, believe it or not, your time talking about this is almost, you know, we gotta keep, gotta keep, you know, the slow march of time here. What's anything else you want the, want the people to know about Rocky Horror Picture Show and why they must go and rewatch it or watch it for the first time? Um, it's nothing like you think it will be. It's everything good. And you'll probably piss your mom off if you watch it and love it therein. All the more reason to do it. It's good. <laughs> Anger your mom. No, it's, it really is. It's, it, there's a reason that it's, it's stood as long as it has in so many people, like so many, the, the generations just keep picking it up and the live shows why everyone still knows how to risk respond. Cause you know, there's certain cues and you right. yell out certain things or what have you. There's a reason that it's still around and that's because it is excellent and it's not perfect but for me it's as it's as close to, uh, to a perfect musical as as i can get yeah yeah to me that falls under the category of there's a group of people that take this movie way way too seriously and view it as they're trying to corrupt yada 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 Sometimes things are just meant to be ridiculously fun because people are put in a yeah. ridiculous situation. It's meant to be fun. And to be ridiculous, you have to have this extreme stuff. You know, mansions don't turn into rocket ships, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also can't uh, create a man out of parts of other men. He has his own his own hot boy Frankenstein. And that's not really... Right, right. Not, not one of the normals. Yeah, sadly... Uh, that was not an argument I could have made to my mother. <laughs> to be fair. So you did get grounded. Oh, there was lots of, my mom hosed me out of a lot of things. I was not allowed to go to the mall because of that goddamn Phil Donahue. I'm not kidding. Yeah, Phil Donahue. He was Oprah before Oprah, right? I have no had idea. There, had there not been Phil Donahue, there would not be Oprah. Her show was essentially Phil Donahue, but instead of Phil Donahue, it was Oprah. He started in the 70s. And somewhere, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she watched Donahue every day. Everybody did. And he did some show about how, like, Asian millionaires would have blonde-headed kids in America kidnapped at malls and then have them shipped over to Asia to be used as sex slaves. Oh? Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to go to the mall because I was blonde. And obviously, fucking Heritage Park Mall in Midwest City <laughs> is where these human traffickers were looking for kids. So I wasn't allowed to go to the mall. But I, at least when I went to my friend's house and we were going to the mall, just neglected to mention that to her. Yeah. But I'm just like, good God, Mom, is there not some stupid ass conspiracy thing that you're not going to fall for? Also fell for the satanic panic. And if you don't know what that is, go online and listen to some podcasts. Oh, about I, no, I do. I do. <laughs> but yeah. I wonder if it's the same guy that uh, was talking about Pokemon and that made my grandmother tell me and my sister we weren't allowed to 
play with Pokemon cards because they were pocket monsters and of the devil in that regard. Yeah, I don't know if it was the same guy, but that's a <laughs> common thing because they also said the same thing about Smurfs. Shut up, really? Yeah. What? Smurfs were also demonic. Why? I don't know, because they're fucking blue. No <laughs> idea. You know, and Gargamel was a wizard. Did oh, they ever okay, watch yeah. Smurfs? Because he was not a good wizard at all. Barely qualified as wizard. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Gandalf like farted out more magic than, <laughs> than Gargamel had. Um sorry for all you Gargamel fans out there. That's it's a raging fan base. But yeah, so now you can understand probably more of why my mom was not absolutely going to allow me to to see that because she would have heard all of the negative stuff from church and that's why and she's probably afraid i would have you know come back you know in a bustier and <laughs> high hills um to be fair though high hills did start out as men's apparel not women's yes i've i've learned that quite recently actually but anyway there's a simple side and we just side quested but it's built side questing is built into the title, so it's perfectly okay. <laughs> I'm full of side quests. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. You have it on Shyla's word. You have to go and rewatch or watch for the first time Rocky Horror Picture Show and do not watch the remake because you're gonna cry tears of blood. That is yes. Which I mean, if you're into that, then go ahead. I'm not here to yuck your yum. Right. And apparently meatloaf is actually made of meatloaf. <laughs> It would have been more convincing. That would have been funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they do eat him in the movie. I mean, he is meatloaf. There's <laughs> my favorite meatloaf role is in Fight Club. Oh, yes. Bitch tits. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he also plays a bad guy, I believe, in a Patrick Swayze film. I I have only seen him in those. Or no, that and, and Tenacious D. Those are the three that I've seen him in. Yeah, and I do feel slightly uncomfortable telling this next joke, but it's not my joke. It's all over the interwebs, so you've probably seen it, and that is our safe word is meatloaf, because I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> I'm going to tell that to everyone I know, because I don't actually internet very often. Oh, well, there you go. So feel free. It's, it's not mine. Someone awesome. else came up with that work, not me, but you know. I can't take credit for it. I don't know who the original inventor of that was, but it is very funny. I'm I'm writing it in my mental log. <laughs> so, all right. Okay. Huh. Done side questing now. Now we're going to talk about what I am going to talk about. One of my favorite things. And I was actually kind of torn. I was like, you know, what movie or TV show do I want to talk about? And I was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to go music. And at first... I was going to talk about uh, Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. That is mm -hmm. absolutely one of my top 10 favorite albums. I love it. Huh. I have listened to that a gazillion times. If you have listened to it, it might be surprising to you that I am actually able to fall asleep listening to The Downward Spiral. That is quite surprising. I find it quite relaxing, which is really odd because that is not a relaxing CD at no. all. <laughs> And um, it, it is definitely not, but I love, I love the downward spiral, mm -hmm. but I decided to go on something that I have honestly been listening to quite a bit over the last eight or nine months. Uh, it's something that I've also loved for a long time. And that is the Pink Floyd album, Animals. I'm going to be honest. I, I'm going to have to look at it to see if I am familiar you... with it. Now, downward spiral. I I got you, but right. I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> um, Animals is weird. So Pink Floyd in the 1970s came out. They had this massive like string of great albums. First was Dark Side of the Moon, which just celebrated its big 5-0. Next was Wish You Were Here, which I believe is 1974. So it's going to be maybe 75. It'll be having its 50 before 50th before too long, followed by Animals, and then followed by The Wall. Right, mm -hmm. all four are concept albums. Um, they're they're sort of bookend though. Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall are slightly, in terms of song length and everything, a little more traditional. 
mm-hmm. for the most part. And then Wish You Were Here and Animals are slightly different and that they did not care about runtime. So they have songs that are over 10 minutes long in both of them and they're slightly different. And I love the audacity that uh, that some bands have to actually put out that like those 10 minute, 12 minutes, 16 minute songs. I 17 so minute much. songs. There's, there's a 17 minute song, I believe, on. Uh, Holy cow. How, how many tracks? Five. OK, that will to compensate for the. It's literally minutes. the first song. Let me let me scroll down here and see if it will have it on there. Um, the first song isn't even two minutes long. It's only like a minute 30. Mm-hmm. Um. So the first song is uh, Pigs on the Wing, part one. And then it goes into Dogs, and that's the 17-minute song. And then it goes into Sheep, three, or sorry, correction, Pigs, three different ones. And it's also over 10 minutes. And then it goes into Sheep, also around the 10-minute mark. And then it ends with Pigs on the Wing, part two, which is also like two minutes long. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of the concept album, this one is... It's kind of different for Pink Floyd, but I call it one of Pink Floyd's like underappreciated or lesser known gems. People that are Pink Floyd fans love animals for the most part and consider it yeah. the same way. But if you're just like a casual sort of listener, a lot of people haven't listened to animals. And so basically, and well, Pink Floyd's British. So it talks about crap that's happening, you know, jolly old England. <laughs> and um, it's a take. I've never heard on- you pull that accent. it's it's a take on the book animals in that it's sort of on george orwell's book animals so in the book animals it's actually against communism in how it starts out uh, the animals on the farm revolt against the against the farmer they take over and then through the course of the book the pigs just become more tyrannical more tyrannical more tyrannical and communist and they change all this stuff and they gaslight the crap out of the other farm or the other farm animals and, and all of this stuff. And so he took this concept of animals, but he sort of reversed it, right? So in the album animals, it's anti-capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so it starts out and it's basically like Roger Waters singing um, to like his girlfriend or wife. And it's like, if you didn't care what happened to me and I didn't care what happened to you, we would zigzag away through the boredom and pain, occasionally glancing up through the rain, wondering which of the buggers to blame and watching for pigs on the wing. And in England, pigs on the wing is like something bad is kind of going to happen. <laughs> I don't okay. think they use it now, but that's sort of what it meant back in those, you know, in that in that time frame. Which if you think about people arguing, that is that are like married and love each other, but they're arguing and they're not getting along. That's kind of an interesting take on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> that does, you are in a rocky thing. It, the world is sort of rainy, right? Mm-hmm. And then the first song, Dogs, talks about living in corporate corporate world, basically, and how it's all about greed. And um, it, it has some great lines in it. Um, one, of the, one of the lines is, you have to be trusted by the people that you lie to. So that when they turn their backs on you, you'll get the chance to put the knife in. Oof. That's deep, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, it also has one of my all-time favorite lines, which is, it's too late to lose the weight you used to need to throw around. Basically, it's saying, you know, you everybody knows somebody's a giant asshole and throws his weight around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either in work or just in any anything. And then a lot of times those people get old and they don't need you know they can't but now they've alienated everybody and no one likes right. them because they've threw their weight around for so long and now you can't lose that weight and i just love it of like some rich fat cat that now no longer wants to be a rich fat cat but you can't because you've alienated everybody because of the weight you used to throw around and it plays on multiple levels and i i appreciate that a screwed as, situation as being a great lyric yeah and so that song goes on. It has one of Dave Gilmore's better guitar solos that people don't realize is just great, which is in um, Dogs. Excuse me. But yeah, so the song starts out. It's Dave Gilmore singing. They have a great guitar solo, a little more Dave singing, and then it switches and Roger Waters takes over singing. And then he basically finishes out the rest of the album. He does that opening bit, Pigs on the Wing. There's the Dave Gilmore part in dogs 
Roger takes over and then he sings through the rest of the album. There's none, uh, no one else in there that does mm-hmm. any singing. And so I suggest listening to it with good quality headphones or earbuds on because um, it is so layered in terms of all of the music that's in there. The whole album's that way. Now, the first the first and last, they're acoustic, so there isn't necessarily a bunch of layers. But the middle part of the, the three middle songs, they just have all of these layers with the keyboards and the guitar and the bass and all of this stuff. And you have to remember when they recorded that back in 1976-ish, mm-hmm. everything was recorded on like eight tracks, right? There was not yeah. now where things can, you know, you can have, what is it, 24, 48 tracks you know, that are recording right. things simultaneously. So to get those layers, that meant they'd have to record it, mix it, then put that on one of the tracks so that it would be in the background. So they effectively would take like an eight track setting, but because they mix shit so well and so well, well, <laughs> that they could have like 16 tracks or 24 at times because they would mix it and then they would count that as one track in it's that way through the whole thing. And they make uh, Rich Wright, Richard Wright, the keyboardist has dog sounds throughout, you know, dogs barking <laughs> through the garage that he makes from his keyboard. They're not like dog recording. And then when they get to pigs, three different ones, there are pig sounds that are on there that they're making with instruments. I think, nice. I think the way they did that was, I think Roger Waters took one of the strings on his bass and I think he would run his guitar pick on it. Because you know a a a string a guitar string is really like a, just a really tight coil, right? So it's got like bumps and everything, and I the ridges. think yeah, I think that's how he did that. Um, so when you go in and listen to dogs or dogs, sorry, once again, pigs, three different ones. There are some parts in there that sound like maybe he's talking about the U.S. Mm-hmm. because there's a part where he says, "Hey, you White House." But he's not talking about, you know, in America, when you hear White House, you automatically think the president and all of that stuff. Right. Well, at the time in England, there was a lady that was anti-punk and she was kind of, I guess, a giant pain in the ass. And her name was Mary White House. Mm -hmm. So when he says, hey, you White House, he's literally talking about her specifically. The other thing you have to get used to is in England, they do not say charade. They pronounce it charade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as he's singing it, he's all ha ha charade you are. <laughs> and so if you don't know that's coming the first time you hear it, you're like, what? That's not <laughs> how you say that. It is in England. So, he's, right. you know, he's singing it perfectly for where he is. And so basically he's talking about these people that in terms of being pigs, they want to control everybody with their viewpoint on the world. Right. Mary Whitehouse doesn't think this is moral. So she's going to make sure that nobody else can do it because it's anti her morals and sort of the same thing with the other characters that are on there. I think one of them's one of the pigs is Margaret Thatcher. And I can't remember who the the other pig is. So it goes through that once again, another, another, another excellent song. And then it goes into sheep and it's probably easier to figure out, you know, what sheep is about. And that's all of the rest of us. You know, we're not the pigs, yeah. we're not the dogs, because the dogs are like the people trying to run the world through capitalism and all that. Sheep are mm-hmm. trying to rule, or sorry, pigs are trying to rule the world through their morality on everybody else. And then the last song, Sheep, is the rest of us. And basically, it's about how the rest of us need to rise up and not let the dogs and the pigs take ownership of the world and tell us um, what's going on. And ironically enough, I think sheep ends with sheep, some of the sheep possibly, it doesn't, it doesn't say it explicitly, but I think it sort of ends with the idea that uh oh, some of the sheep that have risen up and killed all the dogs and the pigs are now going to turn into the dogs and pigs. Themselves. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, which happens frequently. That's just human nature. Let me ask you it, this. Yeah. Where are you when you think of the album? Like where, like how old are you? Where, where are you sitting? Like, wh- is there a setting for you for that album? Cause I always find that interesting. Like there are certain albums that I know exactly where I was. Like, even if it was the first time or just the most influential time that I listened to it. Uh, the first time I heard it would have been uh, right after I graduated high school. And like most people, especially back in, you know, the time I was in high school, late 80s, early 90s, 
everybody knew the wall. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew Dark Side of the Moon. Yes. I knew Wish You Were Here and the Shine On You Crazy Diamond from Wish You Were Here. But I did not know the whole album. And I started listening to the whole album after I graduated high school of Wish You Were Here. Mm-hmm. And that's when I listened to Animals for the first time. And I immediately liked it. I thought it was great. I dig the, you know, the music, just everything. I immediately liked it. So I would have ironically enough been about a mile and a half south <laughs> where I lived then from where I live now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it just every time I listen to it, I just I just love it. Everything about it. And so here's the thing that's kind of cool. In 2018, they came out with a remastered version of it. And it's slightly different in terms of some of the stuff that's in the background. It's mixed differently. And it does Mm. have a slightly different sound to it of what's going on with the various layers. For me, obviously, I could tell because I've listened to animals thousands, (laughs) you know, of times. And then I started listening to the remix and I'm like, oh, wow, this is different. And today I was like, you know what I'm going to do? So I created a, a playlist on my streaming service and I put, it's just the two versions of animals. And so it's the original version, the 18 version, the next song, the original version, the 18, because I want to yeah. listen to them back to back to like really deep dive into the differences. The nuance in, of it. In, of the mix. Yeah. Yeah. And um, let me, I don't know if it will, hang on, let me, let me pull up the lyrics to Pigs on the Wing part two. But yeah, it's just, and probably for the last six years with crony capitalism, sort of much what is the type of capitalism in the U.S. that we have right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Crony capitalism is not the best version of capitalism. And that is what we have now. And Animals is anti-crony capitalism, you know, to, you know, to the extreme that's out there. And so to me now, it's almost like the album has become more relevant in the last six years or so than it was even in the 70s. And it does have the added benefit of being able to say um, White House, <laughs> you know, ties into right. a lot of that. And so I'm for whatever reason, having a hard time putting everything to words. But it it really, if you listen to it now, even though it took place in the 70s, there's so much that's relevant to today's world in that. And I don't want people, I'm not some like, you know, communist, whatever. I, I believe in capitalism and capitalism does the most for people, you know, to keep you out of poverty when it's not crony capitalism, because crony capitalism is boiled down to like, you know, two percent and the rest of us are getting hosed <laughs> yes absolutely and so i'm for capitalism i'm not for crony capitalism and so that's sort of the viewpoint i i look at it but i opened up um talking about pigs on the wing part one and it ends with pigs on the wing part two which is a perfect bookend for that first part about people that are arguing you know that love each other and they've like had a bad stretch or whatever and they're arguing so this is how everything ends after everything You know that I care what happens to you, and I know that you care for me too. So I don't feel alone or the weight of the stone now that I've found somewhere safe to bury my bone. And any fool knows a dog needs a home, a shelter from pigs on the wing. Which, you know, when you factor in that first part and then you end it that way, it's just like the perfect ending. And you just have to go through 30 minutes to get to (laughs) (laughs) the resolution, the perfect ending of that song. But yeah. It's definitely, um, it's a great album. It To me, it's it's a hidden gem of Pink Floyd. It's a hidden gem in general in terms of music. But for Pink Floyd especially, it is a, a hidden gem. And it also led to what is one of the greatest court rulings in the history of the world. Uh, explain. So if you look at the album cover for Animals, you will see the, a power station with a flying pig in between two smokestacks. Mm-hmm. And the flying pig is essentially just a giant balloon, right? That they had out there, take the picture, yada, yada, yada. Um, so when Roger Waters left Pink Floyd after 1983's The Final Cut, um, it's not as bad as people make it out to be, but it's not great. So he leaves because him and the rest of the band kind of were fighting. He, I mean, let's be, Roger Waters is a dick if you don't know. I don't know, but... (laughs) Roger Waters is a dick. And 
him and the rest of the band weren't getting along. Uh, it actually started with animals, went through the wall, and then by the final cut, they weren't even talking to each other. They would come in separately and have notes on what they wanted to record. And okay, you did this. Is there something you could change? And yada, yada, yada. That's how they recorded the final cut. The fact that it is even an album that somewhat makes sense is incredible. So Roger Waters quits the band, and his idea is if I'm not in Pink Floyd, there is no Pink Floyd. Well, Dave Gilmore, and some of this probably has to do with the fact that his solo album that had come out in 83 did not perform very well, decides, well, I'm just going to get Nick Mason and we're still Pink Floyd. And he's like, I own the rights to Pink Floyd, which is a whole other sort of thing with shares. And so he's like, so I'm just, we're just going to record an album and be Pink Floyd. Hey, Nick, calls him up. Hey, you want to record an album? Yeah, sure. About halfway through, because during the wall, Richard Wright had been fired from Pink Floyd. Hey, Richard, you want to come and record this album and go on tour with us? Yeah, sure. Do you want to come back to Floyd? Yes, sure. So then they released the album, uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason. And Roger Waters is like, yeah, no, y'all can't do that. So he sues them. You can't no. use the name Pink Floyd. So then it goes to court forever. And they are litigating everything. There are songs on Pink Floyd's The Wall that they are not legally allowed to perform live. In the band Pink Floyd part, they cannot perform The Wall in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Roger Waters can because he owns it. There's like five or six songs off The Wall that the band Pink Floyd can perform. And that's because of the input from the rest of the band, you know, right. when they recorded them. So they can like do these five songs, but they cannot go out on tour and say, hey, we're going to re we're going to go on tour with the wall. They can't do it. Roger Waters can, which I've seen live. Very incredible to see live. So now that we know all this, they hate each other and all of this. So Pink Floyd was touring and they have all of these blow ups that go through sort of the show. And one of the things they had was the blow up pig. Mm -hmm. And Roger Waters is like, you can't use the pig. That's my idea. You can't use the pig. That was my idea. You can't use it. Is that just intellectual property? Because it seems like it's a giant pig. Right. Well, it's a flying <laughs> pig. It's a pig on the wing. <laughs> right? So they're arguing this in court. And the judge's final ruling is that the band Pink Floyd can use a giant balloon that flies around. Because, you know, really they have the fans and they can kind of control. You see that shit at sporting events. That's basically yeah. all it is. But it's fucking pig with wings. So the judge basically rules that the band Pink Floyd can use a flying pig, but that it has to be made noticeably male because the original one was a female pig and it had to be made noticeably male, <laughs> which in my crazy. mind is no, I'm not in my mind. That is one of the best rulings that a judge in any country anywhere has ever had to make. Cause he's yes. basically saying you got to get rid of the teats and add on a pair of balls. <laughs> Also, if you know anything about pig anatomy, that's a crisis waiting to happen. Yeah, those things aren't small. but <laughs> And shaped like corkscrews, which so, is... So yeah, they have... So the Pink Floyd version of the pig has giant set of, don of nuts and a big dong. <laughs> oh that, my gosh. That they were court-ordered to have it that way. Now, when I did go to see, Throw see the wall... Throw some balls on it. Right. Even though even though uh, the flying pig is from animals. But when I did go to see Roger Waters perform the wall, the flying pig did uh, the female flying pig did make it. Yeah, <laughs> did make its appearance. And then ironically enough, I think when Pink Floyd toured in 94 with the Pulse tour, I don't think they used the flying pig at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I think they ended up not using it because I think by the time they settled everything, they had already finished touring from the tour for Momentary Lapse of Reason, which is the Delicate Sound of Thunder tour. So I don't think they ended up using it for the Pulse tour at all. I like the idea that we will get fined if we do not show this pig's balls to everyone. We will get right. fined. Right. We're... The fine is not having the pig balls. It's not having the pig balls. Yeah. That's, I, I just that, said... that's beautiful to me. <laughs> that is justice. Yeah. And... Roger Waters and Dave Gilmore, those dudes are practically 80 years old, and they still freaking will get in big fights with each other. They had that, uh, weren't they inducted into the Hall, Hall of Fame? Fame. Yep. Where were, I I'd only saw bits and pieces of it, so were all the original members there? 
They were there, but they didn't perform. But were they like sent by each other? No, I do not believe so, if I remember correctly. Now they did perform in whatever the Live Live Aid, Live Eight, a concert charity benefit, charity concert, whatever. From 2005, six, whatever it was, um, Bob Gildoff put this on, and it took him months, but he got them to agree to perform the four members on stage. They did a like four or five songs, mm-hmm. and it took like back and forth of this song, this song, this song. You know, Roger, well, I'm not going to perform any song that took place after I left. You know, okay, fine, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so they, I think they, did a song from Dark Side of the Moon. I think I know they did Comfortably Numb from the Wall. And I think maybe I think it might have been Wish You Were Here as well. No, I don't wish you were here. Anyway, they performed their five or six songs, and that was the last time that the band performed together because it was about four years after that that Richard Wright died from cancer. So now they don't even have an opportunity to, you know, perform uh together. And then on the tour that I saw on the wall, strangely enough, Dave Gilmore and Roger Waters had this moment where they were getting along and there was like 10 shows that Dave Gilmore would randomly pop up and just perform comfortably numb with Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I was so praying, even though I knew it wasn't going to happen because I saw him in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like David Gilmore is going to randomly pop up in Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma, right? And right. I'm like, please, God. <laughs> And that did not happen. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, so they did. He did that. And you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe they're going to start getting along again. And then um, David Gilmore and Roger Waters performed a benefit thing. That was just the two of them. Nick Mason was there. It was just them two, which is weird. And so then I'm like, oh, maybe they're going to start liking each other again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> so. Um, Pink Floyd comes out with the 50th anniversary remix of Dark Side of the Moon. And then it comes out, Roger Waters is re-recording Dark Side of the Moon completely. To what end? I have no idea. Other than it's the 50th anniversary and maybe he yeah. you know, wants to get in on the extra money. I have no idea. But he would get the money from the first Dark Side of the Moon because he still gets royalties from all of that. And so I have no idea why. And then... Uh, David Gilmore's wife made some comment about Roger Waters being an asshole, like a domineering asshole, which is true. And then Roger Waters come back and he's like, well, Richard Wright and David Gilmore, they couldn't write a song and they aren't they blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And then blah, 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 blah. Like the only person that hasn't been like treated shitty, I guess, in public <laughs> Roger Waters is the drummer Nick Mason. And that's because in bands, the bass player and the drummers tend to, they're the same part of the, you know, the music because mm-hmm. they're the rhythm and all of that stuff. And so that's probably, <laughs> Nick Mason hasn't gotten into it. So then I'm like, yeah, no, they're never going to get back together and do something now that they're, none of this. And a part of me is like, guys, come on, you're freaking 80 years old. That's a long time to have beef. Yeah, get over it. You've already lost two two members of the band because initially when Pink Floyd started, David Gilmore was not in it. It was Sid Barrett. And then Sid Barrett was starting to experience schizophrenia. Oh man. And so their initial idea was they brought Dave Gilmore in because he taught Sid Barrett how to play guitar. He was friends with all of them. So they knew him. They brought him in. And the idea was that Sid Barrett would write all of the songs. They'd go and record them. But when they toured, David Gilmore would be on there. Mm-hmm. Um, because of his schizophrenia, he just couldn't be counted on, you know, to tour and stuff like that. Right. Because apparently there were a couple times they were doing a show and he was just stood up there and completely zoned out. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, and so what ended up happening, his schizophrenia got really, really bad. And they just sort of went on without him. How long in was that? <sighs> that happened 68-ish. He's only... He, he's. There's only one song on their second album, The Saucer Full of Secrets, that all five sort of members of Pink Floyd were in it. And then he just sort of went. He did a solo album, but it's sort of weird and it was kind of hard to do. You know, (laughs) that's like one of the lines is, you know, and when the band you're in starts playing different tunes, (laughs) 
because that's what happened to Sid Barrett. Sid Barrett's interesting. Pink Floyd couldn't have continued with Sid Barrett in it, but it wouldn't have existed without Sid Barrett in it. Right. And he's really one of the more tragic people in rock. If you think about it, which is worse to have died, like say Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Mm -hmm. Janis Joplin, or to have gone crazy and spent the last 40 years of your life struggling with that level of mental health. Because apparently it was really, really severe. Like there's a point where they were recording an album and they're like, who's this guy? Because there's this fat bald guy. Like had shaved off his eyebrows bald, bald. And then he said something and they realized that it was Sid. He was unrecognizable as their former bandmate. Think about what people do when you first start a band. You're with each other nonstop. Right, yeah. He was a childhood friend of Dave Gilmore, and they did not recognize him. Did he ever, like, like was there, how do I ask that properly? Did he ever seek treatment enough to, like, be semi-well, or? He I know did. Schizophrenia is one of those that's harder to manage. I do know that. But... Even nowadays, it's very difficult yes. to manage. Absolutely. So think about the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, it really would have been, I'm assuming that he did get some sort of something. Um, he died in 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my question is 40 years of not being there mentally a worse fate than if he would have OD'd? died at 27. And I don't mean that shittily. It, no, it's an yeah. honest question. Um, but the one cool thing is that the band even though they never really saw him or were able to, because apparently it was also hard for Sid. Um, David Gilmore always made sure that Sid got his royalties always. And there's a lot of people that would have screwed over someone like that. That's not able to, you know, maybe even realize what's going on. Right. That, and that's, that's, that's noble. I've always thought that was sort of a stand-up thing, but mm-hmm. now we ended up going off the rails talking about all Pink Floyd and not animals <laughs> there at the end. But you know, so yeah, listen to animals if you haven't. Listen to it with headphones or a good pair of earbuds so you can really hear all of the layers that are involved in animals because it has a lot of layers to it. And the fact that they did that on eight track when it's got like 24 tech tracks really is pretty impressive. Listen to it while you read Animal Farm at the same time. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, this seems con- contradictory. <laughs> Didn't seem they're taking different views of the same theme, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I love animals. I'll talk about Pink Floyd animals all the time. I'll listen to it. I actually listened to it twice today. I'll have to listen to it now. I have to, and then I'll listen to the the new version as well. The, the remix, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I say, it's just different enough. And since you're kind of a audiophile, you'll probably notice some of the difference. Mm-hmm. differences because maybe like a casual music person wouldn't but i know that you aren't a casual music person when you like music so you'll probably notice the, the differences involved i the second that you said that as i was going to say something to relate it to it left me but there's there's an album that i really love can't remember what album it is but then they did a a remastered version i was like this is yucky right it feels gross on my skin <laughs> Yeah, and I've had some that I feel that way too, where you hear and you're like, they've changed so much, it doesn't seem like the same thing. So yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I get that way with live albums too sometimes where I'll either like the live album more than the original or vice versa and can't then listen to the opposite. Yeah, so. that's because a lot of times you can do so many things in the studios that you just can't do live. You end up putting so many layers in that you can't do it, which is why like Pink Floyd, when they tour... It's not just the four of them. It ended up with like, you know, five different dudes in the background because so they could play all of those instruments yeah. at the same time. But at least they recognized that they couldn't do it. And to get the sound that you have on the studio album, they're like, well, we're going to bring in other musicians to make sure that it sounds like it does on the album, which I always appreciated. I I love a good backing orchestra when you have a metal band or something and then out. Yeah. Or uprises an orchestra. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. yeah I mean, the funny thing is, I actually watched some guy that's like a classical composer. And he said, what most people don't realize is metal is actually, in terms of the composition and everything, is the closest to classical music that you can get. And it activates the same parts of your brain. Yeah. So there you go. And it also helps you with math. 
The younger you are when you start listening to classical music and metal, the better you can be with math. I know that's weird. What happened to me? Right? What? Oh, no, I didn't listen to metal growing up. That's what happened to me. We also have ADHD and we don't math well. I don't. That's also part of it. So anyway, we've we've reached the end of the old uh, the old program. I do think it's kind of funny that unintentionally, without even talking about it, we both picked something from the 70s. Yes. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. Uh, completely different worlds, but still from the 70s. Quite different. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And I think you're yes, going to be, for me. I think later on, we're going to have you on again with uh, something, because you got something big that's in the early stages. Yes. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention it. Yet, because it's your thing. I don't want to. I don't want to go out there and say it. But I believe you and this other person are going to come on sometime in the future, and we're going to discuss this thing. Yes, yes. Uh, Otto and I will be doing doing a lot of discussing this because it's it is in the works. It uh, started started yesterday. So, so yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And with that, friends, I'm going to sign off. You know, like I do. So remember, everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button. 